0: Welcome to the Post-Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God, we want you you to know know Him. Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post-Sunday Podcast.
1: What is going on, Post Sunday Podcasters? I am your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra here with you guys at the Post Sunday Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I am with my co-host, Pastor Tim Grantstaff. What is going on?
2: As your wife reminded me this past week, I am the co-host. Yeah. But I'm kind of like uh <laughs> twin host or part host or she just thinks it's funny every time that you say this is my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> see
1: uh we're, we're 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 trying to figure things out so uh yeah it's one of those um for a like, couple, couple of episodes you know in the beginning we were trying to like, You could be the captain <laughs> of the ship i'm okay we we're trying to figure things out a i'm little okay bit. with this yeah
2: and it was fun being at rush camp with our students oh my in gosh Daytona Beach. was it man it was incredible. and the roles we got to play but because of that, we got to eat a bunch of meals together. And yeah. your wife gave us a lot of input on the podcast. that we Yes, yes.
1: She's a big fan. Shout out to uh, kudos to my lady. Uh, she loves it. It's kind of her uh, morning commute um, uh, study. So she loves it. Uh, and so and, and we've heard that from many people, whether it's, you know, tuning in during your workout, during the morning commute to work, uh, lunch breaks. We've heard a lot of different things. Um, times that people have, have, have been able to be a part with us. But, uh, thank you. If you are checking us out and are, uh, consistent with us, I appreciate that. Thank you. If you're new to, to post Sunday podcasts, we want to welcome you as well. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you're probably hearing us from Spotify and iTunes. That's where we're at post Sunday podcast. But if you didn't know, we are also on YouTube uh, at post Sunday podcast. You can find us on YouTube and be able to view uh, if that's a, a way that you learn or you prefer. That's a method that we provide, an avenue that we provide for you guys as well. So uh, to get info and to see some some more content from us, we're also on TikTok um, at post, uh, postsunday.podcast. Again, postsunday.podcast at, on TikTok. And then in, um, Instagram is postsundaypodcast. We're also on Twitter. Um, we opened up that Avenue as well. So that's going to be a fun platform to to dive into, but we are just trying to, again, just keep this going. What is the post Sunday podcast? We're basically an extension of, uh, our never ending story year long series that we're doing at Genesis church Orlando. You can find all that info at Genesis church com backslash to never ending story. But we're going through the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and we're doing that throughout the entire year, and it's been fun. And here in episode twenty-three, we find ourselves in the book of Ruth, and uh, this one's interesting, man, because um, I gotta be—I gotta be very honest. I mean, I uh, Ruth is someone that I definitely I've heard of, I've read a lot about, but just diving into her story. In scripture, um, honestly, I just really haven't dove as as deep as we're getting to here on the podcast and in service as well. So let's get right into it, man. Episode twenty three, Ruth. Ruth, we're gonna be uh, Ruth chapter one through four. We encourage you guys to to to, to read it on your own because there's a lot of content to really cover, um, and you kind of really, I mean, in in, in a span of twenty five minutes. Pastor, you really um, opened up the the water hose.
2: It it was a barn burner, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You, You realize it's only four chapters long, but it's a whole story. And as you said, there are a lot of people listening and watching right now to this podcast that they don't really know the story of Ruth. There's a lot of people that sit in our church service that don't know the story of Ruth. They've heard it. They may have read through it, but they have not studied it. And I would say, as you just did, there are, Many times, I don't think that we would admit, but this like, Ruth is a female story is what the perception is. Mm. And it's like Esther and it's like Rahab and that's for the ladies and the female Bible studies. And so the men are like, give me Samson and give me David and give me testosterone, right? Like, yeah. Like, and therefore we realize that we kind of have in some way shied away from certain characters and stories out of our own perceptions Mm. instead of really paying attention to the story and the way that we're on this adventure together is allowing us to stop at certain characters, no matter our perceptions, and really unpack them to see God's overarching story in all of this. And Ruth is a beautiful place to stop because there's a lot of things in this story that people are unaware of. And and so, today gives us that opportunity to unpack that with our listeners and our watchers and our observers that if you want to know more of God's word, not just these tiny bite-sized, you know, nuggets, if you really want to dive in and unpack it and explore it and discover it on a whole different level, that's why we created this. So whether you attend our church or don't, That doesn't matter. Anybody wanting to understand the Book of Ruth today, this whole podcast is just about that book alone, the characters and the story happening in it. And as we unpack that today, there's a lot to to get through, and there was a lot to get through in the Sunday service for us. Yeah, and like you said, it's a fire hose. It's a fire hose of information to get through as fast as you possibly can.
1: Yeah, and so thank God for the podcast because we're able to go into a little bit further insight on some stuff that maybe you you didn't have some time to get to. Um, and so we're, 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 we're blessed to do that. But let's get right in, man. Ruth 1-1. Uh, work basically, uh, we were in Judges for the last two weeks. So now, you know, as it's saying, in the days when the Judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons.
2: Yeah, so that's the launching point into the story and really people don't realize inside of that verse is packed so many so many layers of of pictures and 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 things to to grab mm-hmm. your attention that the average reader would just would just skim right past and keep going and as we have said when you open up the story it's not only going to make you realize some things about who god is his character his nature how he writes his story and who he chooses to play a part this story also is foreshadowing Jesus, our Redeemer. And so it's no coincidence that the the person in the story is from Bethlehem, you know, mm. and so that's already connecting dots for what's going to happen f- in future generations to come. But th- the big part is that, as you said, we're in the days of the judges, which we know at the beginning of Judges as we looked, they're in trouble because they didn't obey God, yeah, right? And so God has taken his hand off of them. And the thing that they didn't do when they went to the promised land was to get rid of these groups of people, the Canaanites, the Amorites, and the Moabites. And so because they left them, God said, these people will now be a thorn in your flesh. They are going to cause you to come worship their gods. They are going to seduce you into experiencing and engaging in their freedom of sexuality, all these things. And so God forewarned them. They didn't listen. Now these people exist. And the very first verse says, that these Israelites in Bethlehem traveled to Moab. Now, here's the important part of this whole story. How we get the Moabites. Let's connect that for a second for our our watchers and our listeners. Okay, we'll take this all the way back. Exodus, not Exodus, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 19 is the story of Abraham and Lot, Genesis 18, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot is Abraham's nephew who gets, you know, rescued out of the city and it tells us that um, Lot's sons have died. And so he now finds himself living in a cave with his two daughter-in-laws. And there's this story in Exodus chapter 19. We didn't tell this on Sunday because we got kids in church and, and even people listening. It's, it's hard to understand some of the things happening contextually in scripture, but they look around and go, we don't have anybody to carry on the family name. Mm. So the one daughter gets Lot drunk He has no clue. She goes in and sleeps with him while he's drunk and she gets pregnant. She tells the other daughter to do the same. We have no one to carry on our family name. And while their actions obviously have consequences, we're getting ready to see them and I'm in no way justifying them. We have to remember as we walk through this story, family name, lineage, heritage, your ancestral tree that you're going to create that is, was a major part of the people of not only Israel of of all the people groups. So they cared about carrying on their people group, the name, the 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 their their lineage. It all mattered. So while their actions were against God, their thought was, we don't have anybody to carry on the family name mm. except for our father-in-law. So they get him drunk, they sleep with him. So there's incest involved. Once again, it's a reminder that we can't take things into our own app hands, right? We can't, we can't create our own path. The first of those sons to be born is named Moab. And the second one becomes the forefather of the Amorites. So because of their sinful actions of taking this story into their own hands, instead of trusting God who had just rescued them from Sodom and Gomorrah, they now become the, the, the parents who birth the Moabites and the Amorites we eventually come up against Moses and the nation of Israel, and now wow. we find them here in this story. So these are the little pieces that people don't remember happening in the story that take this big, long story of God and start to connect a thread to it.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think I think we're very in tune to these dots connecting because we've obviously been going through Scripture like this, and so it's really, really good to see or just to see the tie-ins there but
2: it shows you that you can't do this on your own. No. Anytime you take the story and try to make it yours, something goes wrong. So people are like, "Yeah, but this happened and look, it happened in the Bible." Yeah, the reason it's there is so, so is so that you learn not to do it. Yeah. Don't don't take it into your own hands the way that they did because look what it produced. And now this story begins and it is telling us that Elemelech, who is the 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 man in this story from from Bethlehem takes his family because of a famine to Moab to a place that really actually shouldn't be there. And then his two sons, marry two daughters. And that's where we get Ruth and Orpah from. Mm, Interesting.
1: I think scripture lays out two different ways for you. It it showcases what to do and showcases what not to do. And for some of these stories, you're going to see things that you just should not, should not do simple as that i mean they're they're when it comes to scripture and how they showcase certain people's lives um it seems to me as like we need to learn like like we just said what not to do or what not to replicate from these people's lives and there's certain other parts in scripture that we need to replicate that those people's lives and so Um, it's just, it's either, or, and when you
2: see the, what not to do, like, this is the big argument, the Bible's filled with incest and polygamy and all these types of things. And so therefore, if you're against this one thing to show, you should be against all this. Or if you allow this, you should allow this. And it's like, none of those situations ended up right. Yeah. Did God work? Yes. So now we're at a question of, then should God just have just burned it all up? Mm. Right. Oh, but We see God's grace and we see God working his story in the midst of our failures and our faults. That's not a green light to go do whatever you want. And God's still going to to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. That mentality that people have to keep on sinning or to do the wrong thing. What it shows us is that God is faithful to his promise and he's going to take situations that we do evil in or that we have meant for harm, he's going to somehow turn it for good. We've read this in the story of Joseph, right? Yeah. At the same time, it's his faithfulness that as much as we mess up, he's going to fulfill his promise. Yeah, That's the beauty of it all. And this is, this is kind of like all packed into the first verse, that if you don't unpack just that piece, you don't know, That's and crazy. you don't know why Ruth is so important to the story. Yeah.
1: And so we continue on with Ruth chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Uh, So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on uh, the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-law, said to her two daughter-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that and and just kind of what that's really showcasing Ruth and her character.
2: Yeah, so the story, Elimelech has a wife named Naomi, and they have two sons who marry Ruth and Orpah. And the story quickly tells us that Elimelech dies and the two sons are dead. So now you have three widows. And, uh, you know, people don't know why they died. Some historians or some scholars think it has to do with the fact that they left Israel. They left their people group and came to Moab. It was part of the consequence of doing that. Um, at the same time, God's still going to use the story no matter what the reason was. Yeah, You have Naomi who's old and she's like, look, I got nothing left. I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to my people, the nation of Israel. And she turns to these two young women, rightfully so, like probably any widowed older woman would do and say, look, I can't provide a house for you. I can't provide a home for you. I I can't provide husbands for you. You stay here, start a new life, Mm -hmm. you know, start it new. And yet remember where they're at. They're in Moab. So she's going back to the nation of Israel she's telling these two women, these two younger widows, stay here, build your house, build your home, go back to your families that you had come from to enter into ours. And that's an important part of the story is that for these two women right up front to marry Israelites would have already taken them and set them in a different, uh, a different status. They married the the foreigner coming into their country. So therefore they lose some of their status as Moabites in the, in in the setting and in the context, because they have to give up some of that to become, you know, a family with Israelites. And yet you can still see that tension of like, there's still some Moabite beliefs and there's still some Moabite customs. And there's the Israelite beliefs and the Israelite customs. This is why the scriptures say, don't be unequally yoked because most of the time it doesn't work out. It Mm. does in this story, but you can't use, you can't just go, well, because it did here, it will always work for every other situation. Because more times than not, the Israelites gave up their worship of their God That's true. for the worship of the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Amorites. And we know that worship in the Moabites was an abomination to God. They worshiped the God Molech, which as a God they sacrificed babies to, they would throw them in the fire. And so. Their practices were an abomination. This is why God told Israel, set apart. Do not worship. Do not engage. Do not marry. Do not sexually involve yourself with all these other people groups because they do things that are detestable to me. And there is that little piece, as we've said on Sunday, that he's the author and giver of life. And the same thing that was an abomination with the Moabites is Mm. still today God detests human sacrifices And we live in a culture where there are a bunch of people screaming my body, my right. And I have the, I should have the right to choose if I want to sacrifice the life inside of me so that I can do what I want and and I can move forward how I want. And if you follow God, that is not the way in which God desires nor wants his followers to respond.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And so, um, And so we get to a place where now, basically, um, Naomi is telling her, uh, Orpah and Ruth. Yeah. Like, it's time, like you said, move on. Um, But I I love in verse 14, but Ruth, so Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, basically, okay, I'll I'll leave. But Ruth clung on to her. Yeah. Um, She didn't want want to leave, and she went on to say... um, so he went on to say, do not urge me in verse 18 or 17. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death part me
2: from you. Yeah, these are like loyalty, wedding man. vows, yeah. right? Like yeah. this is what you would expect to hear from a uh, groom and a bride. Yeah. at the altar, where you go, I'll go; where you stay, I'll stay. There's a song, very you similar. Know? Yeah, and my wife is like, "Why are we not singing that song today?" You know, <laughs> um, but at the same time, this is also symbolic of Moses. Wow. And God in the wilderness, hey, if the, if the cloud of pillar moves in the day, we will pack up camp and we will go. And if the cloud of pillar, the pillar of cloud stops, then we will set up camp and we will stay. Yeah. So this is that, that echoing of God, if you move, I'll move. If you stay, mm. I'll stay. We're not going anywhere without you. And so Ruth is claiming that same thing to Naomi in in love and affection, but also there's that 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 echoing of like, this is supposed to be our words and faithfulness to God. Just as she clung to him, I mean, just as she clung to Naomi, we are to cling to him and we are to have the same response. God, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Yeah. You know, that that sort of and all the way till death should part me. I'm in this for the long run, you know, and that is her words to Naomi. And she says, your people will be my people. So she's leaving behind everything that she, that she had in Moab. And we don't know this from scripture, but uh, tradition says um, from certain scholars, she was a Moabite princess. So she's giving up her title She's giving up her wealth. She's giving up her status. She's giving up her people group that, obviously, she's a princess, she might eventually become a queen over. And she's giving up the beliefs, the customs, all of She is sacrificing all of that to be with Naomi, to be a part of her people, their customs, their beliefs. And she's saying, and I'm giving up the gods of my people. I want the God of the Israelites. Your God will be my God, and there will be no other. And so this is that full moment of conversion for her. Wow. This is the beautiful moment of what conversion actually looks like. So for exactly. those that are looking for like, well, what does it mean to convert to to becoming a Christian? It is a full abandonment of all in what God has to offer me, what, 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 what God has to, to, to put in front of me, God's way, God's path, God's journey, God's adventure, God's instructions. Here I am. You go forward, God, I go. You stay put, I stay put. Till death depart, I'm in this for the long haul. Till you return. This is really sounding that 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 song of what it looks like to convert into following God. Wow,
1: that's powerful, man. My question to the listeners here today is are you in that place of commitment with God? Like that's that's something you have to like are we at that place as believers to be totally 180 completely devoted I'm all in like like what does that look like it looks like this it looks like full surrender giving up giving everything you got um, letting go uh, it makes sense that she would it would cost her that way right? Because it just that's just how this works. It's gonna cost you something. It just does. That's what that's what faith is is about. Trust in God and faith will cost us something. And for for Ruth, uh, it co- it cost her um, a lot. And so
2: think about what Naomi says to her. Like just for the moment, snapshot this. She tells her, "Look at your sister-in-law." Yeah, like giving go her, her every reason. So if you to like, if you are go. persuaded by the people around you easily, if you're like, well, everyone else is doing it, this is kind of that moment. Yeah, she's doing it. Why don't you do it, right? Like you, you have this. But then Naomi says, "Go back, go back to your gods." Why? Because she knows that the God of Israel expects full obedience.
1: Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really good, man and yeah she's saying that and when naomi saw that she was determined to go with her she said nothing else like it's it um all right i see that you are all in and and that's that's it i'm not going to question your determination your faith and and i and i think man I, I i you know as as believers as 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 those that are maybe in trying to get our faith to that level um Are people seeing it that way to where they no longer are questioning whether if you're going to do something a certain way, uh, you know, whether you're going to take that next drink, whether you're going to take that next uh, move to a certain place that might not be uh, the best for you? Uh, They're not questioning your your, your standing. Like they know 100% that you are. Yeah, uh, and, and for God. And so let's ever
2: look at other believers and go, Jesus said, count the cost, right? Yeah. Put your hands to the plow. Don't look back. Right. Yep. And I don't know if sometimes we articulate truly, Hey, if you want to follow Christ, this is the sacrifice it takes. Yeah. And rightfully so. Like I believe in like, Hey, someone's drowning. You throw out the life raft You don't try to explain to them before they grab it. You just tell them, grab it, and let me pull you in, right? That's what salvation is about. That's why you share the gospel of Jesus. But I think that there is also still this opportunity, and I think that's more in discipleship, to go, listen, you need to understand the cost this is going to take. Now, the reward is much greater than, than the sacrifice, right? For he who wants to, you know, gain the world lose his soul but he yeah. who wants to you know find it will will lose it right? Like we'll yeah. give it up. So this is that opportunity where Naomi's saying, look you can stay here, you are a former princess and you can go back to your gods. But if you come to my people and you come to my God, this is what he expects of us. And Ruth now has to weigh that out. My sister-in-law has stayed here, be much more comfortable to stay here with her and just start a new life, find a husband, and regain our status among the Moabites. Instead, she actually continues to sacrifice it because now they go back widows. And as we're going to see in just a moment, she becomes a refugee. She's a Moabite in Israel, you know, in the Israelite camp and she's going to be a beggar. They, they they don't have anything. They don't have a provider or a protector for them. She steps into the sacrifice and is willing to know that more sacrifice is going to have to be given, but I believe in the reward of what the God of this people offers far greater than what I could gain so on my own. own.
1: Yeah, and so the lessons with Ruth in this time that we're just— talking about and really diving into a little bit is before you start a new life in Christ, you got to let go of the old one. And that's the, that's a huge importance, you know? And I think that sometimes, um, we want to water things down a little bit when it comes to, um, you know, bringing, presenting the gospel. We want to sugarcoat it in the way that may look appealing to certain people. But the reality is, man, like it's, it's, it's picking up your cross You know, there is a price to pay for this. um, And there is a a life that you need to let go in order to receive uh, the blessing of the new life that God has for you. And so you can only serve God faithfully when you open up both hands in surrender. Not one hand, right?
2: Yeah, that's the the visible picture that we try to create in that you got one hand open to God and you got one hand clenched on that one thing. That you good. don't want to let go of, yep. and God wants both hands open and surrender to Him, and we have to understand that in our faith, you know. And so, for many people, that are like, "Well, where is God? Where is the blessing? Where is the direction?" It's not like He doesn't see your hand clenched on that one thing, right? <laughs> it's like it's like when you're a kid, you used to tell someone, "I promise," and then you put your hand behind your back <laughs> and you're like, My "Fingers are crossed," yeah. or whatever, you know, type of a deal. He sees it. He it's sees true. you holding on to that one thing or that main thing where you want it to be your way and God's way. And this was the problem with Israel. This is what Judges exposes us to, the book mm. of Judges and Numbers that they didn't do what God asked. They wanted to do it their way. They wanted God and they wanted the 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 world around them. And so this now is becoming a theme among the Israelites of really a foreshadowing of our own culture, right? I want God on Sunday. I want my way Monday through Saturday. And then I'll come back and I'll take a little bit of God on Sunday and the rest of the week, don't tell me what I should do, what I should watch, what I should say, where I should go, who I should be with. I want it my way and God's way because at the end, I want to know that I'm eternally secure. And that therein lies like the people that most people that ask me about eternal security are not people that are rooted in biblical understanding. And I feel bad for them because many of them are baby Christians. I'm not even going to say new Christians. I'm just going to say baby Christians that somewhere along the way, we're told you just say this prayer you're in that, that was, that was the gospel they were given. Now I'm not going to negate the fact that when you, when you pray and you confess to God that you don't receive salvation, but they weren't taught or discipled or anything else. Naomi's turn around going, Hey, You might want to rethink this because there's a lot more at stake here than I think you understand. And for those that are always asking for eternal security, it's because they were taught by someone. Just say this prayer. There'll be nothing else. Don't need to sacrifice. You don't need to change your ways. You just need to confess to God that you need him. Now that you got him one day when he comes back or you die, you'll be with him forever. And now they're confused and all of that.
1: Yeah, man, that's, that's, it's crazy, and, and the second lesson with Ruth, it goes right along with that. Is seek and heed the advice of the right of the righteous as you follow Christ. Um, let's talk a little bit about Boaz. Now we're getting ready. Now we're we're slightly transitioning over to this character. Yeah. Um, Boaz is from the tribe of Judah, uh, first tribe to cross the Red Sea. Tenth judge over Israel. Great grandfather of King David, foreshadowing of Jesus, our Redeemer.
2: So he didn't cross the Red Sea. I want to make sure that's clear. You know, first we still the first tribe that yeah. Judah, and we know that the the promise of God is going to come from Judah. Yeah, right. The the prophets tell us this. You know, from the root, from the shoot of Jesse, from from the scepter of Judah will come forth. This is how the scripture begins to say. So now knowing that Boaz is in that tribe Mm. already begins to set the stage for not only the part he's going to play, but for the lineage that he is actually in and he's going to extend how God is going to work in him and God is going to work through him as God is fulfilling this promise. We talked about the reason we're doing what we call the never ending story of God, which just means we're telling the story of God, but it never ends because there's so much more to learn is not only to see God's faithful promise to redeem the world, we're learning the bloodline that the Messiah is going to come from. And the reason we're learning it is because it should amaze us that it's, yeah, there's a the forefather of Abraham who is willing to be obedient when God said go. But then there's there's Rahab, a prostitute. And then there's Joshua, Or I'm sorry, then, then there's, uh, there's, there's Joseph, and there's this amazing story of his faithfulness to God being thrown into a pit, and yet then there's a Moabite woman named Rahab. like It shows that like God uses these people that are extremely faithful and obedient, yeah. and then he uses the most unlikely characters to fulfill his story. And now we get to Boaz, and this is a man of God who will become a judge, the 10th judge of Israel, who knows God's commands, who follows God's commands, And him and Ruth are going to meet in his field. Mm. And the reason they're going to meet in the field that he owns is because not only of his harvest season, but Naomi has told Ruth, go, go to the fields, go to the fields and, and glean. And that is all scriptural. That is all commandments of God. Naomi knows the commandments of God. She's obediently telling them to Ruth that if you own land, God told the nation of Israel, Don't, don't, uh, don't harvest its edges. Mm -hmm. And when you're gleaning and you, and some of it drops, leave it behind for two groups of people, the poor and the foreigner. Mm -hmm. So the beautiful thing right off the bat is for anybody who doesn't think that God cares about the less than, you know, so for all the social justice warriors out there that are like, Hey, where's, where's the social justice? God has always been for the poor, for the foreigner, for the oppressed, The Israelites in Egypt, you know, so this is, this is who God is. He always cares. He's telling them, listen, if you have a field of corn, you're not to take all of it. You're to leave some of it. And the only reason it's supposed to be left is for the poor and the foreigner who doesn't have land and doesn't have the opportunity to have what you have. And that's the beauty of it. And so Naomi tells Ruth to go do this because she knows the truth. And Boaz, who owns this land, is Harvesting it according to God's truth, and it's once again showing us the beauty of when people obediently follow God, wow. what God is going to start to do with their story.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's like a blind setup, blind exactly. <laughs> blind
2: date. Yes, <laughs> it, it, in, in some ways, that's exactly. This is this is uh, you the wonder, very first yeah. tender yeah. In, in the Bible, <laughs> if you want to call it that, you right? W- like,
1: you wonder if Naomi was uh, kind of the the middleman. Yeah, yeah. I can hear my wife setting like, mm, her up. He's
2: cute over there <laughs> to my my daughter. He is in college. Like, you um, know, have you talked to him yeah yet? Like, yeah. she was doing that at Rush Camp this past week oh, with a few Lord, of the other gosh. camp counselors. Like, they're here. They're helping people learn about God. They're worshiping God. They're starting to check off the right boxes. Hey, yeah, look at that one no, over there.
1: no, still. And I'm in
2: the back corner going, Nope, <laughs>
1: cracking your nope. knuckles. Nope. <laughs> oh man quick side story dude we are i'm literally in the in the middle of worship and then we uh i think we we're getting to i can't remember but someone was speaking up there either yourself or, or steven <laughs> and uh a young a young individual young young guy he, uh puts his arm around um dirk's um,
0: one of Dirk's today
1: daughter.
2: Yes, not at camp today. <laughs> today,
1: in our Sunday service, and I'm not gonna. It's funny. I don't know why. I just it caught me. And I, I I and then I look behind just to see where Dirk is, her father, and I'm, and I catch him, and he is just like staring
2: straight down this <laughs> dude
1: back of the head, like. It's going down, and my I'm wife just leaned
2: over and she said, "Hey, I saw. Oh him. man, that boy put his arm <laughs> on." And so Dirk, man, going, was we it? Probably that shouldn't be like like, saying Dirk now. We've we done blown him up on, oh on my the podcast. Gosh. We should have been saying, you know, love you, Dirk. Someone we know, know. type of a deal. And yeah. so he was like, I had a hard time worshiping and concentrating. <laughs> I, my wife was trying to hold me back, and you know what I'm doing? Well, oh, I'm poking the bear because I've got yeah. a daughter in college. So at least I've lived through a few of these moments, yep. and I've had that same you yep. know response, and I still probably do. But I'm like, "Oh yeah, dude, this is where it begins. It's only it, it, it's just started." He's like, "Stop, stop!" And I'm just totally, totally oh, fanning the flame man, and just watching it burn Ooh. a rage and like.
1: Yes. I, I don't know. I felt heat come out of that side of this house, <laughs> on that side of this church. So I don't know. I guess my eyes gravitated but Naomi, over there.
2: We joke, but that's it's, in essence, that's kind of what she's doing. She is playing oh yeah. matchmaker. Yeah. But the beauty of it is that she's looking for and looking to a godly man with a godly reputation. Yeah. Who, as we will see in the story, honors God faithfully in everything that he does. Like if you're a parent, and you're praying for that special someone for your child, these are the types of people you should be praying for. You should be praying that your son meets a woman like Ruth. We find out, I mean, look at what she's willing to give up. You know, she could have easily just hightailed it the other way and lived her own life. She lived a life of sacrifice. We're going to find out of kindness. She's called a worthy woman. Her character, her even being a Moabite, her, her reputation, her faithfulness to God, her willingness to follow God, like everything you should be praying for and the future spouse yeah. of your child. The same with Boaz, when you, you don't just go he's cute or he's a good guy. like that's that's probably the precursor to, everything you don't want to see happening after that, right? Like, no, is he a godly man? Does he faithfully follow God? Does he honor God? Does he make godly choices? Will he respect and honor God over you? Mm. And because he does that over you, then he would do that for you. And we see Boaz as this type of man. And I think that's why Naomi not only realizes he's a relative, but he is this type of person.
1: Yeah, yeah. If there's anything, you know, for any young people listening today, man, we just encourage you. Fall in love with somebody, or look for somebody that is in love with Jesus. Yeah, that um, doesn't just go to
2: church. Exactly. Let's, let's frame that the right way. Oh, they go to church. That we know. Yeah.
1: Doesn't doesn't attendance mean anything, somewhere should not be right.
2: Yeah. Faithfully follows them and will honor God. Therefore, yeah. will honor you. Yeah. Such
1: a great. This is awesome. Uh, I encourage any young person to really look into this story because I mean, this is a perfect example of what it is to. Look for the right individual in your life, and the and, and and waiting on God's perfect timing for it. I think is is, is great. But um, diving con- continuing our conversation here, but uh, coming off of Boaz's life, obviously him. Uh, the the third lesson we learn in Ruth is that sacrifices need to be made when trusting in Christ, and so um, we continue on with. Um, with Boaz, uh, I like what in, in in chapter two, verse eleven and twelve. I'll read it, but we, we there was there was a little bit of a bold highlight here. But Boaz answered her. All that he's answering, Ruth. Now, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. So I I know what you uh, have been through. Uh, and how you left your father and mother and your na- native land and came to a people that you did not know before then the lord the lord repay you for what may the lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the lord the god of israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge
2: i feel like we could teach a dating class out of this Dude, like when I'm, when, I'm, when I, even right now, like you know, your mind's twirling. Be I've been teaching this and preaching this, yeah. and now we're here talking. You didn't through it, approach it that way, no. But on like Sunday, when, but when you think about it from that perspective of like, Boaz says, "I know about you." Mm. He was right. Yeah. He knows her story. He knows her reputation. It's come back to him. It's an How many times do people date and they go, "I don't know anything about them," <laughs> right? They're he just cute. Yeah. He did his homework. Yeah. And, and I'm not, so I had a conversation with a college student a few weeks back and I was telling him like, and I'm going to say our day and time just makes me feel old, but I am. I'm getting there. Right. Like <laughs> I'm climbing that ladder. And I yeah, told him, are. I said, we would date people with no strings attached because a date meant I'm going to take you out to try to get to know you. Mm. And he was explaining to me that in their this generation, that's harder. Like the moment you say, I want to go on a date means like you're really interested. And I was like, that's the problem. That's the problem right there. Like I should not feel like I'm committed just cause I want to take you out for some ice cream to get to know you. Mm. Like that's the, the, the on-ramp to like, Hey, I took you out casually cause I don't know you right yeah. now. Yeah. I got to try to do my homework. That's the problem with what online dating, I guess. And I know that it's worked for some, but you get a bio. We don't know. If, you don't know if they're lying in the bio Obviously, no one wants their bio to seem bad, so they're all going to fluff it up to some degree, yep. right? And so then it's like, well, because their bio said this. Their bio said, I'm a Christian, then I'm just going to think because, you know, I like the picture that was attached to it. They are. Yeah. But you take them out and you get to know them before you make a commitment. And here on the onset of this relationship that's going to transpire in the story, I know your, your reputation, like how beautiful is that That's as awesome. parents to go, hey, what's the reputation That's when they awesome. want to bring them into your house? And 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 get your child to understand that. Now don't use it. You know, as a dad, I want to do that. What's his reputation? I don't know. Good. You're not dating him then, right? Like <laughs> but at the same time get my kid to yeah. really think through do you know the reputation? Yeah. It's a big part of this. And the beauty of this is that her reputation is one of sacrifices. You gave up your father, mother, brother, sisters, your homeland, your people group for a people group you don't know. That's what he tells her. So your story of sacrifice is being told and has gotten back to me. That's a beautiful thing and something to admire And the fact that who this woman is, her character is being talked about and let's not forget in the story, what type of woman is she right now? in in the sense of keeping perspective, she's a Moabite. The Moabite's story of conversion to the Israelite people and to God Mm. has such character that it's being told and talked about and has gotten back to this man named Boaz.
1: That's crazy, man. And so the lesson behind that is that kindness is visible, a visible marker that you have chosen to let Christ lead the way. And so... That's 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 amazing. And so now Ruth chapter three, one and two, Naomi, then Naomi, her mother in law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that I, it may be well with you uh, is not Boaz our relative with whom whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor, basically like, hey, listen, I know his exact coordinates. For tonight. I I think you should go over there and <laughs> This is like, like yeah, like hey, so and so's over at the punch bowl. This is at, where they go Friday at, nights or at, whatever. At the
2: middle yeah. school, you know, dance. Exactly. You, know, you should make your way over and, and get a get a cup of punch as well, you and know, we like to small group correct like hey i know so-and-so is serving back in the nursery you should go go. pick up your nephew or niece (laughs) like this is what we do stanton's in here i hope he's taking notes producer (laughs) stanton you know on the show but like this is naomi going hey because he's been out harvesting yeah for the day i know he's going to be in the barn tonight and so while it seems provocative what she's saying is that you know i i i I know who he is. Yeah, He's a relative. Now that's going to be key in what we talk about in just a moment. Okay. Which means he's got this role of redeemer in the family that he's obligated to. But go present yourself to be his wife, mm. right? You've been in his fields. He's been looking after you. He has told his own men, don't touch her. Give her water if she needs it to drink. He knows, you your reputation. He knows her reputation. So now go present yourself to him to be his wife. And this is how it just happened to take place within their custom, you know, because we think about, well, like you need nine months to plan the wedding and to get the wedding dress and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And this is happening more in a snapshot just to give you the thrust of the story, really. Mm. And so she goes into the barn that night while he's asleep. And we immediately want to take that as like, you know, probably a scene we've seen in a movie or something like that. But she startles him. He says, who's here? And she says, this is Ruth, your servant, right? And she didn't proclaim. She says, would you, now listen to the language, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. That terminology is this beautiful picture of, would you take me under your care? Would you oh. take me into your home? Would you take me under your protection and your provision? So the spreading of of wings over you. I, I, I used to listen to this great teacher that said he would go home and he would take a, a prayer shawl and he would wrap his wife in it and then he oh. would pray over her. And I used to think, like, on one hand, I'm not as accustomed to that, and so that's a little different than what I'm used to. At the same token— that's a beautiful picture of how he would wrap his wife in a prayer shawl and then pray over her. And so this is that she's asking for that covering. Now you see the characteristic of Boaz come forward and the God honoring man that he is, because he tells her that he says, may the Lord be blessed by you, my daughter, for you have made this kindness greater. So there's that word kindness again. Mm -hmm. She's one who leads with extreme kindness. He's one who is leading with extreme kindness. And he says, he says, he says, that you could have gone after other men, younger men. You could have gone and found your own pick, your own way. But you are trying to honor the words of God, and you're trying to honor your mother-in-law, Naomi. And so he says, now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you've asked. So he's letting her know I'm going to do this. I I can do this. However, here's the God-honoring part. I know that you are a worthy woman, But I am not the first Redeemer is what he pretty much tells her. There's someone in front of me that's supposed to have this right first. Mm. I will take it to him. And if he refuses, then I will fulfill this duty. And then he tells her, rest here tonight. Nothing happens. Nothing sexual because people are like, oh, she went in at night. You know, she uncovered his feet. She presented herself. He's such a God-honoring man that he abstains from it, Right? How many men would actually do that? Let's be honest, right? woman comes and presents herself to him. She's doing it so that he would take her as his bride, and he's so God honoring his, no, 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 no. You're supposed to belong to someone else first. Let's go back to dating for a second. What if you dated that way and you looked at every female and said, you belong to God first? I'm not to take you as my own until it's my time to do so. Now we're preaching, right? Jeez. We just turned this into marriage one hundred and one, right? You know, we got we got a second s- sermon coming oh, out of this. We know passage, where our right? next
1: marriage series is coming. Correct, out, or right? A dating. So you
2: you've got <laughs> this God honoring. I could take you tonight. Yeah, no one would know, really, not even the first redeemer. We could keep it all in the barn, but I'm going to honor God. And I'm going to honor my position and my role. This is the type of character. So all the guys are like, this is a book just for women because it's named Ruth. No, it's not. Like, are you like Boaz? Do you have the integrity and the character that Boaz has? And so then we find out the reason that Naomi's like, he's your relative. And the reason she's being asked to, you know, he's being asked to be her redeemer is because that is part of the scriptures. Again, it's the Leverite marriage. And that Leverite marriage is if I have a brother who dies and his and his wife did not have kids, it is my biblical duty. Deuteronomy chapter 25. This is what it says. If brothers reside together and one of them dies childless, the dead man's wife shall not marry an outsider.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Her husband's brother must come to her, take her as his wife in a Leverite marriage. The firstborn son who bears who she bears will perpetuate the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be obliterated from Israel. So God said, your name and your family tree is so important to me that if you die childless, your wife is to go to your brother. And when they have a child, it's not for the living brother. It's to carry on the name of the dead brother. Think about how amazing that is.
1: That's crazy. Wow. That carries some weight
2: and this is what Boaz is honoring the very commandments of God
1: that's amazing wow and so that's integrity man that's a man of integrity and so like you said if you're if you're you're a young man listening right now and you you know you're single this is this is this is what you need to really be looking at you need to be looking at Boaz's life and looking at how he really approached this entire scenario because he had leverage to really take and kind of manipulate things according to his own way, as we have seen many other people do throughout Scripture as of as of now. But here we see an uh, individual that says, I'm going to honor these certain ways and customs and the morals and the values that, um, that are within our culture and within our beliefs, and I'm going to move, I'm, I'm going to make it right, I'm going to do things the way that it should be. We
2: don't understand this in today's day and time, but listen, this is what, this is how it would have played out. It says, and this is, you know, from, from, uh, from some Jewish perspective into this. If the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, listen to how this plays out. The brother's wife shall go up to the gate. So remember, this is where Boaz goes. He goes to the city gate because this is, this is a picture of where the elders of the city would sit. the the rulers who had authority that were kind of the godly leaders of the community. They would always sit at the city gate. That's where business was being done and conducted. So if the brother that's supposed to be the redeemer doesn't fulfill this obligation that God commanded the Israelites to fulfill, this is how important it was. The wife shall go up to the gate to the elder sitting there and say, my husband's brother has refused to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. And he does not wish to perform the obligation of a husband's brother with me. So she can actually be upset. He is supposed to help give me a child to carry on our family name. And now he's refusing to. Now listen to how it gets. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. And he shall stand up and say, I do not wish to take her. Then his brother's wife shall approach him before the eyes of the elders and remove his shoe from his foot. Now this is part of like how they sealed the deal. I know it sounds weird, Currency, whatever, whether it's your shoe. It'd be like me taking my Jordan off and going, like, here you go. And <laughs> in the story, in that. that's what Boaz does with the first Redeemer. They mm. they, they talks about it. He takes his sandal off and all these things. It says, remove the shoe from his foot, and she shall spit before his face and declare, thus shall be done to the man who will not build up his brother's household, and that family shall be called in Israel the household of the one whose shoes have been removed. So now... It's saying that the wife can come spit at this person and there's shame upon this person for not fulfilling this duty of helping their brother's family name carry on. So in context, this is a high obligation that God commanded Israel to do to carry on family names. It was that important. And so Boaz knows this and he says, I'm not the first redeemer. I'm not supposed to play this part. And therefore someone else is, he needs to decide if he wants to do this first, this is that character, right? I will wait my turn patiently. And if he doesn't, then I want you to know, I will step in and I will fulfill this obligation and I will take you as my wife. Like that's the beauty in it of who man. Boaz is and what's taking place. And so he tells us, man, Hey, there's, you know, one of your relatives died. He's left a sister who's childless. He has a plot of land and he's like, okay, I'll take it. Oh, by the way, you have to take the wife. And he's like, I don't want it. Right. So now you can see what could have played out. She could have gone before the elder spit in his face and been like, what are you doing? Shame upon your family. Instead, Boaz says, "Wait, wait, 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 I got this. I'll be her redeemer. I will take her in and I will be her provider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. Wow. That's, that's, and so here we are, you know, Ruth goes from princess to widow, from refugee to beggar, to the ancestor of Jesus, right? Here, here she is giving up everything, but she's, she, little does she know, she's about to receive everything.
2: That's the story of God, right? Yeah. We never know in the sacrifice no. where it's taking us. All we keep complaining about is what we had to give up, Yeah, what it cost us. And if we would just trust that whatever it's costing us, the reward is so much greater. Yeah. And really whatever it costs us in this life, what we gain in the life to come is so much greater. And so that's part of the sacrifice we have to be willing to live by is that we know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know the outcome. We're blessed by that. At this point, they were trusting the Messiah was coming. We know he has come. We know what he's come to offer. And so, they were believing in what was to come we are believing in what did come and still is to come and it's going to take sacrifice and yeah. there's there has to be that part it's like telling a story so fast from princess to to you know ancestor of the king of kings that's where a lot of people will hear it no pay attention to widow mm. refugee beggar because i guarantee you the time spent there was so much more difficult that by time she got to ancestor of Jesus, ancestor of King David. That's not that's oh I'll take this journey because that's where it's going to get me. She didn't know. Yeah. So she had the heartache of being a widow of losing your husband, the the fear of being a refugee in a land and people group not your own, the 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 humility of being a beggar in someone's field for their leftover you know harvest. All these parts she had to play, but she doesn't complain. She's a worthy woman, respectful woman, honoring God all the way through it. And God says, because like Joseph in a pit, like Joseph in prison, because you were faithful the whole way through, I'm going to elevate you to something you never imagined. That's powerful, man.
1: And so the lesson behind that is by surrounding yourself to God's agenda, you open yourself up for God's greater purpose. As simple as that. And so um, that's a powerful thing, man. It's a powerful, powerful thing. So I'm, you know, you you. It's all about what are you? Are you? You said it. Where you go, I'll go. Are you? You have that mentality in your life. Like I'm willing to surrender it. I'm I'm willing to give it up. I'm desperate for you, God. Um, And so now, then you go. uh, You speak a little bit on on the genealogy here, some generational, um, some history here behind everything that fell in line uh, with all of this taking place.
2: This is the scope of the story, yeah. and this is where it can get lost, and this is where, you know, we don't have all the time always to unpack all these pieces, but these are the names that you start to read in God's story that a lot of times you just, if you move past, you forget the parts they played. And so the way the story ends reminds us that what God is doing not only benefits you, it benefits people, Potentially generations after you. So it starts out now, these are the generations of Perez, verse 18. Now, Perez um, is also the story of Tamar, and there's a whole bunch in that story that, you know, is just awful and terrible. And yet God's redemption keeps working and keeps moving, once again, showing that in the midst of some of our biggest failures, God is still faithful. Yeah. Some people need to hear that today. They're listening on podcasts or watching online. In the midst of your greatest failures, God is still faithful to fulfill his promises. It doesn't mean stay in those failures. This is the time to come out of them and to move on and press into God in a way like we see Ruth and Boaz doing. But it tells us that, you know, he fathered Hezron and Hezron fathered Ram and Ram fathered Aminadab, and Amminadab... Father Nishan, and then it gets to this point where this is where the story starts to connect the dots as we've been studying it, because Nishan fathered Salmon. Salmon's the husband of Rahab. Mm-hmm. Rahab's the Canaanite in Jericho that we learned about, that when the spies went in, they hid in her house. She lets them out the window on the scarlet cord and wow. says, hey, remember me. I've heard of your God. I've heard of how great he is, and I've chosen to believe him and they tell her put this tie this scarlet cord and when we come back to the city anybody in this household will be saved with you so there's a redemption in that story because she's a canaanite and then now just rahab and salmon alone you find out they're the father and mother of boaz so here's this canaanite woman who was a former prostitute who in some way had such a conversion think about this such a change in her life that look at the characteristics of Boaz. He's not like, "Oh, my mom was a prostitute. Oh, my mom was a Canaanite. Anything like that." He's a man of God, walking faithfully and obediently, upright character, because of what transpired in Salmon and Rahab's life. What a now he transformation! Ruth, yeah, a Moabite woman, honoring God, an honoring woman who honors God. And next thing you know, they become the father and mother of Obed, who then becomes the father of Jesse, who then becomes the father of King David. And so inevitably, they then become the great-grandparents to King David. That's insane. So you've got Salmon and Rahab, who God redeems that story they give birth to Boaz, who marries Rahab. God redeems that story. Yeah. And ultimately, all of them play a part in King David, the greatest king in all of Israel, who we'll learn about in a few weeks, who ultimately the throne of God to the Messiah comes. Hmm. And so now you have this whole story where are like, wow, these four chapters of this man and this woman and all the things in it, I would have never thought that this former princess, turn this, 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 and this is the great grandmother of King David. That's crazy. Who ultimately is an ancestor of the Messiah, Jesus. That's,
1: it's powerful, man. This is, this is some great stuff. And the way that God just really puts things together in full circle um, is amazing. But it just goes to show you the faithfulness of God that he'll take care of, of you even, even long after you are no longer here. I mean, they're, uh, God will continue to work His plan in and through your family. Um, I love that. That's a great, um, great um, something that to highlight there is that Boaz coming from Salmon and and Rahab, right? Like uh, such a turnaround from Rahab's life that now she leads her own children to become godly um, and just have a complete turnaround. Um, it's, it's, that's powerful that, that, that in itself is a great way to showcase, um, how even walking in God can turn your life around in the approach of how you parent, um, and have your children and show them. And so we don't know, uh, you know, if Boaz was even born in her time of sin, I don't think he was, um, but I don't know if there's any accurate, uh, proof or whatnot but i don't think i don't think there was and so because of that it's just you know god redeemed her and she was able to really pass that over to her family and then you see that now uh through that generational uh, bloodline there so good stuff man this was fantastic uh what did we cover god's faithfulness dating <laughs> um, <laughs> Tinder, you name it, bro. Like
2: weddings, this is great. God's commands, Wearing <laughs> your all in, in four chapters. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Like, I got up in church and I was like, I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, well, this wow. is gonna go much faster than yeah. I thought I had in my head. But that's what this podcast is for. Yep. And there's still so much, like, look what we're doing. We're we're unpacking this and almost creating a second sermon. Exactly. Out of the whole book. Longer than
1: your original
2: sermon. And I would say that that, that to me, is just proof of where we are. When we say this is the never-ending story of God, it's the fact that you can keep coming back to it. And so in all the study and all the prep that I did to even preach this sermon in our own church and to get ready for this podcast, we're back in it, and while we're in it, new things are just happening That's and crazy. rattling and you're going, this is why it's never ending. You can keep coming back to the story of God and finding layers and layers of truth that you never thought you never saw that God keeps revealing to you. Yeah. And as long as you keep it in its context and then learn it in its context for you and yours, and you don't try to you know, change that up, God transforms it and he transforms you. He opens your eyes, he opens your ears and this story keeps living in us. That's fantastic,
1: man. Um, this was great. This was great. Episode 23, the book of Ruth chapters one through four. We encourage you guys to check it out on your own. Just study that, but you can find all of this resource at genesischurchorlandocom Orlando.com backslash the never ending story. You'll be able to find our webpage there full of a lot of content and a lot, a lot of information for you guys to keep up with us and, uh, and, and get that info. But we, we appreciate you guys for listening uh, staying with us, iTunes, Spotify, Post Sunday Podcast. If you want to check us out on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Post Sunday Podcast and then TikTok as well, postsunday.podcast. You can find us there. Uh, and if you just want a video and want to be able to take all this in visually, at postsundaypodcast on youtube.com, also available for you. So uh, we're everywhere, man. And we really appreciate your support. We thank you guys for all that you uh, have been doing. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, hit us up. We want you to get you involved in the scriptures, but in your life, and however we can pray for you and be a part of your life. So thank you again. We'll see you back here for episode 24 next week. Grace and peace.
0: Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.